Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Another big weekend beckons, ladies and gentlemen, as we hurtle towards Freedom Day uh, on Monday, the day you cast off your mask, the day you stroll confidently into a shop to try on some jackets, the day you have the confidence to throw away uh, your inhibitions and give someone a hug, even if you've never hugged them before. Unless, of course, you happen to be a lefty member of the Woke Brigade, in which case, remain as you are, hiding behind your very expensive sofa made in India with your very expensive Apple PowerBook made in China and your freshly delivered organic avocados flown in straight away from South America. Isn't life great? Fantastic, isn't it? When you can sit at home, make as much money as you used to make going into the office and spend it all uh, on sandwiches. Marvellous, isn't it? Superb. 0344 499 uh, Coming up a bit later on, uh, we're joined by writer and historian Mark Yardley for the latest chapter in his battle uh, to recover from the blood clot he suffered after getting his first COVID jab. He's now been sent for treatment to a long COVID clinic. Who knew? Up first this morning, though, we're talking to Reform UK chairman Richard Tice with his take on the fake freedoms we're being allocated on Monday. He's got some news from the world of big tech and their latest efforts on banning videos that they don't like because people say things that they don't agree with. And we'll be asking why the government is hounding people and confiscating computers in an effort to find the whistleblower that delivered that Matt Hancock CCTV clinch where Gina Lala Bridgina, or whatever her name was, uh, to the sun. Also, we'll be catching up with our favourite royal correspondent, Angela Levin, uh, for this week's news on Harry, Meghan, Charles, William and Kate. Harry! Harry! We haven't been in the news for a day or two, but we're getting an award for an interview that we got nominated for before we did it. It's great. 0344 It's a hot one coming up this weekend, so we want to hear from all of you, of course, as well. What are you planning? What are you doing? Where are you going? Have you got foreign climbs in your sights? You tell us and we can tell everybody else. Lewis McLeod is here with his take on the week. And also we'll be asking what ITN has been up to uh, with some of its news reporting this week. Plus, it's Friday, so it's time for the Perry Awards with Yorkshire's finest, Izzy Aroland. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Now also available, of course, uh, in television. Uh, You can find it on your TV. Just go to talkradio.tv. We are the original. We are the best. Um, We'll be taking the tea later, by the way. For those of you who pay attention to the news, uh, this is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Time to say, without further ado, a very good morning to Mr Richard Tice, Chairman uh, of the Reform UK Party. Richard, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. And I'm sorry I'm not in the studio, but I'm down in Kent at the Open Golf Championship, Mike. Listen, I think that's I can a, tell you that... Uh, what, a, what a great place to be. Beautiful weather for it, for a change. It's glorious weather. And the really good news is that there are a number of great English golfers uh, who are looking really good after the first day and could well be there, um, you know, right up as potential trophy winners on Sunday. So, 
you know, that feels great. And there does feel a sense of uh, excitement and moving towards freedom, Mike. But in reality, it feels equally with everything we're hearing from, whether it's Chris Whitty or from the Prime Minister or from scientists, it doesn't really actually uh, seem that it really will be Freedom Day. It feels like a sort of um, a partial Freedom Day. Yes. Well, it's a bit like the halfway house around Royal St George's, isn't it? You kind of stop off for a glass of champagne, but you're not quite there yet. You've got to play another nine holes and it could all go horribly wrong. <laughs> well, well, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. Um, uh, but it, it just, you know, it feels to me that we're, we're in an extraordinary uh, period in that uh, there are so many uh, variables going on and, and uh, it was initially the, the, the suggestion was that we could all throw away our masks for good but now actually it transpires that lots of different organisations uh, are making the judgments for themselves whether it's the, the Mayor of London for TfL supermarkets uh, uh, you know essentially it's, it's going to be down to individual institutions and businesses to decide what they guide their customers uh, so it's 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 a it's a brave new world, Mike, and, and I guess I think really we we've probably just got to say it's a question of of freedom of choice for people. If yeah. you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. But equally, uh, you know, don't attack those um, who don't like wearing masks. You feel that they perpetuate a state of fear, a state of anxiety, uh, and and who believe that actually we've got to give people some confidence to live with this yeah. thing and move forwards. Yeah, I mean, I've said I've said for the last week, really, that I've noticed a very much more relaxed uh, sort of perspective for, from everybody's point of view. But my worry is, Richard, that on Monday, um, if Sadiq Khan starts rolling out some new COVID marshals for London Transport and for TfL, that it could get a bit tense because if you're sort of got, if you're confronted um, by somebody at a ticket barrier saying, here's a, here's a free mask, please put it on, and you refuse, yeah. I'm not sure where that goes or what happens then. But I think, um, I think people are going to have to apply some common sense mm. and uh, some tolerance because, in a sense, we, we've come through so much, but we really have got to try and, and unify and move forward rather than enter into sort of confrontational situations because this thing is with us. Clearly, uh, things are happening. We know that uh, cases are going up. And I do think it's really important. Some people might be very concerned about cases going up, Mike. What we need to know is is actually what's the average age uh, of those cases? Anecdotally, my understanding and sense is that it's very much amongst children. It's amongst young people. Uh, and actually, that um, we need to know that data because if that's right, then we, we shouldn't be as concerned as some of the scientists are making out. We do also know, yes, that uh, hospitalizations are going up a bit, um, but you've got to put it all in the context. There's still around 2% of uh, hospital beds uh, occupied by COVID patients. We've got five, six, seven million people waiting elective procedures. You know, we've got to get life going again. We've got to get the mm. NHS, Mike, focusing on um, the millions of people who need treating elsewhere and set this whole thing in perspective. I think that's that's really, really important. Yeah. I think that's um, absolutely otherwise right. Otherwise, I, I, I do worry that the whole focus is about masks and, and you know, are we going to have to lock down again in September as opposed to, right, folks, actually, we've got to move forwards. We've got to put it in context. Uh, Johnson and cabinet members and the scientists 
they've got to uh, put it in the context of where COVID sits relative to all the other medical issues of the day. Most people forget that sadly, 1600 plus people die on average every single day in the UK. So yes, every death is a, tr is a, a sadness for the friends and family and mm. loved ones. Um, but when it's in, in the you know, 30, 40, 50 a day, uh, you know, it is a, a really small percentage. Mm. It's, uh, you know, it, it's two, three, four percent. I, I think that's important. And then you've got the mask debate. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, obviously, you've got hundreds of thousands of people listening to your show, Mike. I probably should just say a, a welcome to the um, uh, the censors from YouTube uh, <laughs> who may be watching, um, because uh, your listeners may or may not be aware that in our discussion last week about masks, um, uh, we at uh, Reform UK, shortly afterwards, we got a, a nice message from YouTube saying they'd taken our clip down uh, about our discussion last week, mm. Mike, um, because it was apparently medical misinformation. Well, so, uh, and the interesting thing about this, and I'm glad you've raised this, is that, you know, we are a regulated radio station, regulated by Ofcom, um, and at no point has Ofcom made a complaint about that conversation. So it absolutely beggars belief that these big tech companies can take it upon themselves. When the mask debate has clearly moved on from, you know, what we were saying this time last year, in a very, very much more kind of liberal way, if you like, because there is no science that proves masks work to stop the, uh, the spread of the disease, particularly ordinary sort of common or garden, you know, blue plastic ones. I, I mean, this is the point that, uh, you know, some people are working on the basis that they definitely work, they definitely uh, stop uh, COVID. Well, if that's the case, why did we have, when everybody was wearing masks last autumn, why did we have the second wave mm. uh, in uh, last December, January and February? So, you know, I think there does have to be an open, honest, sensible discussion uh, about the efficacy of masks and the quality of masks. Um, and again, that's all part of uh, giving people information, uh, real understanding about where we are, uh, what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, it really does. My sense on this is that we've got to have the the confidence to move the country forward now, Mike, uh, and, and to live with this thing. And, and unless we do that, what you're seeing now is, is what's uh, called the ping-demic. And you've got businesses, organisations up and down the country, Mike, that are uh, that essentially uh, losing hundreds, if not thousands of staff, uh, being forced to self-isolate, even though we've all done what we were asked to mm. do. We've been double jabbed. Yeah. Anybody over the age of uh, 30 or so has been double jabbed. So we've, we've sort of, you know, we've done our bit for the team. Uh, we've taken one for the team. And, but now... Why do we still have to self-isolate for 10 days? Yeah. Why do we have to wait another but even month more, plus? But even more pressing uh, than, than that, Richard, why are we having to wait until August the 16th, at which point you won't have to self-isolate if you get pinged, because at that point, apparently, uh, it's every, it's, everything's going to be fine. Well, why can't we just do it now? Yeah, and this is the thing. It's the application of common sense. You know, I heard a government minister say earlier this morning, that were they going to conduct a trial into this? Well, you don't need a trial. It's pretty obvious. We were told and have all been told, get double jabs, play your bit for the team, for the nation, and then we can all move forward. Well, clearly, that's no longer uh, the government rule and guideline, and it just makes no sense. And, you know, we've got a, 
We've got to get the economy going again because we all know that actually a healthy economy is what leads to healthier people mm. leading longer lives. You can't do that if hundreds of people on your, your manufacturing line uh, or, or stacking your supermarket shelves uh, or, or doing the security at Heathrow Airport if they're all having to stay at home because they've been pinged. So you've got this, this farcical situation where millions of people are now deleting the app uh, that they may uh, that they'd previously downloaded because um, they're sick of it. And I just think the government needs to make some quick, prompt, uh, confident decisions. And we've really got to drive this language, Mike, that actually we've got to live with this. And, uh, you know, I I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, if this growth in cases, if this is amongst the young, then actually that's bizarrely in the same way that the young get flu, they get chicken pox. If they're getting a sniffle or they might have a day off for flu, then actually that's it. They, they've got natural mm. antibodies. Well, that's no bad thing because that's how we all survive. We build up uh, immunity to different things. Yeah. So, and, and doctors I talk to, they say uh, that, that you know, natural antibodies are the best antibodies we can all have. So that's all about confidence and, and leadership. And I just, I, I just really ask the government, uh, you know, to give us that rather than this sort of yo-yo scaremongering, optimism scaremongering. Yeah. And also, you know, and also, would, people, would, people would get they... very confused. To where, where, you know, where do we stand in right. this? And it would also be nice if they stopped this relentless kind of, you know, propaganda about getting everybody vaccinated. You know, if people don't want to get vaccinated, that's entirely up to them. You know, what we found out this week as well was that 40% of the people going into hospital with the so-called Delta variant uh, went into hospital without the Delta variant and got it while they were in there or were tested positive while they were in there. And so actually 40% of those people who were being classified as having been hospitalised by COVID were not hospitalised by COVID at all. And I just wish they would tell the truth. I mean, I don't know about you, Richard, uh, but I've seen some very odd things. In addition to uh, YouTube censoring your video, I don't know if you saw ITN News at 10 a couple of nights ago, uh, where they had their health editor, Emily Morgan, interviewing a couple of COVID patients, guys in their 20s, uh, basically saying, if only I'd taken the vaccine, uh, I wouldn't be here. Please, please, everybody take the vaccine. And I'm going, this is not news. This is propaganda. It, it is quite extraordinary, but that, that is what is happening. Uh, essentially, there is, there is censorship. There is propaganda across all of uh, the, uh, the broadcast channels. It, it, we're seeing it uh, in print as well. And people do need, uh, people need the right information and we're just not getting it. And it's it, it, it's not right and it's not going to help uh, people get their confidence back, get their self-belief back. And we have just got to, we've just got to move things forward. And, and people have, have got to understand that we have to live with this. And yeah, if you give, uh, if broadcasters are giving out basic government propaganda, you wonder where are we at the moment? Are we... Are we in Russia? Are we in China? Or are we living in supposedly a free and democratic United Kingdom? It feels pretty strange to me. Yes. Uh, and I think increasingly, Mike, increasingly uncomfortable. I think that's absolutely right. Stay with us, Richard. Uh, we've got a couple of other things to talk to you about, including uh, the CCTV footage of Matt Hancock. We're talking to Richard Tice, leader of Reform UK, of course. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio.
Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham. We're talking to Richard Tice, uh, who's lucky enough to be down at the Open, which, by the way, uh, in case you wondered, uh, is exclusively available on Talk Sport uh, as uh, the entire tournament uh, comes to a close over the course of the weekend. The Sun's front page today uh, is Raid of Shame. Uh, the famous picture, of course, of uh, Matt Hancock. We're going to be talking uh, to somebody from um, the Open Rights Group about this in a little while. But, Richard, is it not astonishing to you, as it is to me, that the government and basically the um, uh, the information department, the information commissioner's office, have gone out and started seizing computers and other devices, searching properties, looking for the whistleblower. Now, I'm sorry, but the whistleblower, in my view, should be protected by the whistleblower law, shouldn't he? It is quite extraordinary what's going on. I mean, this is we touched earlier on this whole issue of censorship. Mm. And, and this is what this is. This is a... A, a witch hunt to create a sense of fear um, and, and being scared uh, against the whistleblowers. It's, you know, uh, the, the reality is that this story was massively in the public interest. Yeah. You have the health secretary who made the rules, who then was breaking his own COVID rules. And so it was clearly in the public interest. There is a witch hunt going on. And, and this is how this government is operating. They even tried to sort of um, extend it to me, Mike, uh, Did they? because the photo came across my desk the mm. previous week. Um, uh, you know, lots of Tories have been speculating with Westminster journalists that I'd somehow orchestrated this whole thing. And it seems that, you know, that they, that they're trying to deflect the blame from uh, from themselves, from their own, uh, in, in a sense, inability uh, to abide by their own rules. They clearly don't believe. Uh, apply to them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really, really serious. Uh, and I'm sure that people um, at, uh, at at the Sun must be absolutely fuming, editors and, and, and journalists, because you know, have we got a right to uh, a free press uh, to hold leaders, uh, politicians and others properly to account or not? Mm. And, and if this sort of thing goes on, you think this, it, it, again, this is what you you hear and, and, and understand is happening in China. It might happen in Russia uh, or some other uh, communist well, style. I'll tell, I'll tell you where it's happening. But it, doesn't, it shouldn't be happening here in the UK, Mike. I'll tell you where it is happening, Richard. I don't know if you saw this video from yesterday, but Jacinda Ardern, you know, the great uh, leader of New Zealand, um, who is almost uh, fast becoming the sort of Kim Jong-un uh, of the Antipodes, she actually gave a statement in which she said... The only information on COVID that you should listen to is the information that comes from the government. You should not listen to any other source. Any other source of information is inev inevitably wrong, uh, is inevitably misinformation. And only the information that we give you is to be believed. I mean, quite an extraordinary thing to say. Oh, it, it's utterly terrifying. And, and this is what we're seeing all over the Western world, whether it's in New Zealand or here, you've got uh, you've got one line of propaganda. You touched earlier on the number of uh, COVID cases, people that are actually catching COVID mm. in hospitals. Again, it's not as though the government uh, have released that information. That has to be sort of dragged out. Uh, and people need to understand this. We need you know, open, transparent uh, information so that people can make their own judgments. And, th and that's how we should be, be leading. And it's quite clear. Uh, I think this police raid on uh, people potentially involved in that uh, that health sector story. I think it's it's just another really worrying uh, development. We need more information on COVID, so we all 
whereas we can make our own risk-based judgment. Uh, you know, I touched earlier on uh, the cases. Tell us the age of, of of the cases again, so that you know we understand that. Um, because otherwise, uh, we're going to be um, we're essentially going to be pushed down uh, into a rabbit hole again of of fear and anxiety uh, because uh, cases are going up. But actually. If people, are, if more people are catching, for example, COVID when they go to hospital with some other ailment, some other illness, some mm. other disease, they think, well, well, then we should be less worried about the rise in the hospitalization numbers. And so it goes on. It's about the quality of information. It's about trusting the information that uh, the government gives to us. And and if we if we lose that trust, then um, as a uh, as an open and transparent democracy, we start to move to a really bad place indeed. Mm. And this is very, very serious, Mike. Absolutely right. Well, enjoy the rest of the weekend, Richard. I'm sure it's going to be glorious. I'm told it's going to be 29 degrees on Sunday, uh, which will be quite remarkable. Great weekend to be watching the golf, uh, as I say, available, of course, on TalkSport exclusively. Um, 0344 499 1000 is the number. Richard Tice, their leader of Reform UK Party. We've got lots to talk about because this is outrageous what they're trying to do vis-a-vis the whistleblower uh, coming up. We're going to talk to Jim Killick, Executive Director of the Open Rights Group. Um, they should not be looking for the whistleblower, by the way, uh, in the same way that ITN should not be looking for people in hospital to talk propaganda about why they wish they'd taken the vaccine. They did another interview, uh, and this was with their health reporter, uh, with someone who said, thank God I took the vaccine because if I hadn't, I probably would have died. This is not news, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. A couple of messages have come in that I'd like to share with you. One uh, came in on a text, 87222 is the number, starting message with the word talk. Uh, it says, we've heard from the top brass in the Royal Mail today, uh, saying that from Monday they will still be enforcing masks while in the office. And I think that's the case for an awful lot of businesses, an awful lot of people, because in the end, uh, the point about the government saying masks will no longer be required legally, um, it allows companies, it allows people like Sadiq Khan, allows people like... Uh, um, uh, Mark Drakeford in Wales, people who uh, you would think might actually know better, uh, who are saying, oh, we must keep them because it's compassionate to keep them uh, and you mustn't take them off because if you do, you will be immediately signalling that you are an uncompassionate person, somebody who doesn't feel the pain of others, somebody who needs uh, to be selfish, somebody who just needs to care for themselves only. Absolutely ridiculous, absolute nonsense. Uh, and quite frankly, I want to hear from all of you as to what you're going to do because if they start, you know, basically creating... Uh, confrontations around the country, whether they be in supermarkets, whether they be in public transport, I don't think it's a very good idea at all. We mentioned in passing with uh, Richard Tice there, the story on the front page of The Sun, raid of shame, computers and phones seized in a shock swoop over Hancock CCTV, despite your right to know of his rule-breaching affair with his aid. You might not have forgotten, I wouldn't have thought, that the Secretary of State for Health uh, was caught in a clinch, snogging uh, somebody else's wife in his office in the Department of Health. The CCTV images were published, and of course, he had to resign. And you might argue that him resigning was a watershed moment for Boris Johnson and the entire cabinet team, because then suddenly freedom got a lot closer. Let's talk now to Jim Killock, executive director of the Open Rights Group, because freedom, it would seem, um, is a relative term. Jim, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, whistleblowers are supposed to be protected under the law, aren't they? Uh, yeah, and uh, 
I think you know the ICO has got a pretty big uh, question to answer here. We don't know why, right? They haven't really stated why they think it's appropriate uh, to to have raided these uh, people's homes. Um, and until we hear that, we're you know it's, it's kind of hard to say absolutely this is this is wrong. And they might have some very big reason that they've done this. Uh, but you know it's a very very high bar to uh, to to uh, get over here because. It is in the public interest for us to know. If it wasn't, uh, man, Matt Hancock wouldn't have resigned. Um, he wouldn't have had anything to answer for. Uh, he did. Uh, therefore, it was in the public interest, it seems to me. So, uh, you know, we need a we need an explanation for the ICO as to why they're doing this. Data protection is not meant to be about protecting uh, privacy when people are uh, breaking the rules, when there's a public interest. It's about protecting your privacy and my privacy from big corporations and from uh, your decisions being made, which is not in their interest. That's a very, very different thing. Yes. And also, if you are to be encouraged to um, to leak confidential information, which would otherwise not be something you should do, um, but because it's in the public interest, as this undeniably was, you should really expect to be given some kind of one cloak of anonymity and some protection under the law. Well, there, there is protection under the law. So, I mean, as you say, there are there are protections for whistleblowers, but also data protection has, uh, you know, particular exemptions for practicing journalism, um, which are then meant to be codified into the UK law, uh, you know, into, into specific data, uh, uh, statutory instruments and, and so on. Um, the ICO is meant to produce a code of practice. There's a whole raft of things which are meant to explain how and when uh, people can exercise a public in, uh, a public interest and and when they should and how journalism is going to be protected it's well known right because you, you could use and people have in other countries used they try to use data protection to protect corrupt politicians mm. uh, all kinds of things you know it happens it's happened in several eastern european countries for instance um we we don't want to go that way um and if the ico they are the ico has to show therefore that it is not acting just to protect the executive uh, that, that it's got some other reason that it's done this uh, because it does you know plenty of data breaches are going on much bigger ones frankly um, in many ways where, where it doesn't investigate and it doesn't enforce and my own organization is, has been complaining about the online ad tech industry the ICO has investigated for two years I don't see them breaking any doors down about that um, you know there've been people complaining about the gambling industry plenty of other things where you know the consequences are very very serious but the ICO doesn't always investigate here it's chose to so it's got to explain why yes exactly right and what about the people who have had their homes raided and their computers seized because do they have any rights to stop that from happening if somebody comes knocking on your door tomorrow jim and says we believe you might have been involved in this uh, let's have your computer can you say no uh, no i mean the, the ico does have <laughs> powers to to make these seizures right it does have those uh, you know same as the police do right there, there are uh, people who have or can obtain powers to, um, you know, enter premises in certain circumstances. Uh, you know, you, you go to a court, you get a warrant. I was going to say, do they need a court order though to do that? Um, you know, I'm not precisely sure. I presume so. Yeah. I presume they've had to do something. But let's let's see what we've, what what actually happens here because uh, you know we, we do need to hear from the ICO. I mean, it's very hard for us to really say for definite while the ICO is not explaining itself mm. why they've done this. Uh, but you know we have to also, on the other, uh, you know, very firmly say the ICO must not in, act 
against journalism and against our right to know when politicians are breaking the rules. Yes. Also, just on a matter of um, technology, um, if, if, if for want of nothing else, and you, you may not know the answer to this, but I thought every single kind of email and every electronic communication was somehow stored somewhere uh, on a server in some way, shape or form. You don't actually need physically to examine an individual's computer, do you? Well, I guess what's happened here is that the uh, the company who uh, does all that storing of all of the uh, CCTV footage, it's reported a data breach. Um, and that means that the data has somehow been taken from their services and put somewhere else. Um, so presumably the ICO is, is looking into that. You know, who's handled this data? Mm. How have they received it? Um, you know, were they, you know, did they hack into the systems or were they sent a copy? You know, what exactly happened in order for them to obtain this material? Presumably it's in that kind of arena that the, that's meant that the ICOs, uh, you know, look at these particular individuals and devices. But, you know, at the end of the day, the data leak, the breach is, is the fault of the company. Um, you know, whatever these people have done and, and, you know, we'll have to see what it is. Uh, the actual data breaches, you know, keeping the data safe is actually the responsibility of the company, not mm. not these people, whatever they've done. Right. Um, but I guess they're, they're suspecting this criminal activity of some sort around their, the way that they obtain the information. But but let's see. And if that was to be the case, presumably there would have to be charges brought, there would have to be a court case, uh, and somebody would have to be convicted uh, before that could before that could happen. And if that did happen. Uh, would the sun then be in breach of some kind of law? Um, I would, I wouldn't have thought so. But I mean, I, I think it all depends. You know, I, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, all they've done is publish footage at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I think you know, think about what these individuals might have done. You know, it's, it's a bit hard to speculate about exactly what they they, they may have done and, and why. Um, but I think, you know, even there, right, if they've obtained material, you have to kind of still give them a public interest uh, defences. You can't just say, well, you're not the newspaper, so you don't deserve protection. You have to do something else. You have to say they deserve protection because they're working with journalists and because they've got something to expose. So I, th I think, you know, that's where we've got to be. Um, I guess there may be, you know, there might be something in, you know, did these people try to just obtain all the footage to see what they could find? You know, were they on a fishing expedition? Yeah. There might be questions like that that are, that are in the ICO's mind. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of this does, uh, you know, there is a bit of like, let's just wait and see and, and understand why the ICO has done this. Mm. And could it be, uh, as some have suggested, that this is all an exercise in kind of making sure that if you were thinking of being a whistleblower, you might not want to do it because this could happen to you? Well, that is the effect. And that's why I think the ICO has got to also be really uh, conscious of what it's doing here, because mm. even if these people are, um, you know, in some sort of criminal serious breach, maybe they don't have the right motivations. Well, who, who knows uh, exactly who and, and why these individuals uh, got the, this material? Um, but uh, you do have to consider that chilling effect, right? You do have to think about what message this sends out to the rest of the population. And my worry right now is that people will conclude that data protection is actually about stomping on journalism and that the ICO cares about protecting the government more than it cares about protecting our data from corporations. Mm. Now, th those are not good messages. Um, so, you know, it's say the ICO has got a lot of explaining to do and it needs to get on top of this and explain exactly why it's in, you know, involving itself in a 
in in this uh, in this way as soon as it possibly can. Absolutely right. Good, uh, good to talk to you, Jim. Thanks very much indeed, Jim Killick, there, executive director of the Open Rights Group. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I think we've got Lewis McLeod back in another form. Lewis. Hey, hey, Mike. Where are you coming in from? Are you on Mars or somewhere? Well, I was on Richard Branson's test flight <laughs> and I uh, had to pull the cord and jump out the back. Well, listen, um, luckily for you, you can go and rest up in your private island in Necker. <laughs> yes, uh, I think at this rate I might land through the roof. <laughs> now, uh, there's been an awful lot going on this week. Uh, Mr Ian Blackford was particularly uh, rude to the Prime Minister, uh, suggesting that he might be a racist. Mr. Speaker, this is absolute nonsense. Um, let's be honest here. D- Boris Johnston's losing his mind. He's setting up a chewing gum task force. Uh, particular enemies are Orbit, Double Mint, Wrigley's Juicy Fruit and Extra. And this nonsense about taking the knee, this is what he's planning, is to put lots of chewing gum on the pavement and those yobs that are calling out such nonsense are going to be taking the knee on a big pile of chewing gum. Yes. And they're going to stick there. That's not going to be good. Uh, what does Boris Johnson have to say about it? Well, let me tell you something I think is absolutely... The right honourable gentleman, uh, with, with, with vis-a-vis levelling up, yeah, which is a great band there with their latest single. <laughs> uh, nobody knows what levelling up is, but level 42. Yes which is uh, some of the shires in the northeast of Scotland. Uh, we're going to take the money from London, level up like a plumb line, and everything's going to be fine. Mm. I found uh, Boris's speech yesterday, Lewis, rather uh, rather sort of perverse in the sense that he was meandering all over the place, talking about supposedly levelling up in the north of England. Ended up talking about the Berlin Wall. I, I, I have to say, forgive me, it's uh, an attempt to sound like Obama. We're fighting the flames of despair. <laughs> I, I just sound completely mental. <laughs> yeah, well, I, don't, I seem to remember Barack Obama went to Berlin and promised the end of nuclear warfare. Um, not sure what happened to that. Well, it, it didn't quite work. But uh, nobody's pushed the red button, certainly under my watch. No, maybe Joe Biden will bring an end to nuclear uh, conflict. Where am I? 
What button is that? Is that the space bar? What happens if I press that? Oh, no, that's Fortnite. He's been quiet lately, old Joe, hasn't he? He hasn't fallen down any, anywhere or fallen up any stairs. Well, you know, he's like a goldfish. He's just on a 20-second loop now. Donald he's Trump, like meanwhile. a goldfish. He's just on a 20-second loop now. <laughs> meanwhile, uh, in sort of the home of uh, common sense down in Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump's plotting his comeback, isn't he? Well, you know, I'm still bringing up the voter fraud. I still, I don't know. It's, I'm in between holes at the moment, so I'm just making things up as I go. But you're going to see a lot more of me. <laughs> it's not over yet. I will return like one of those Avenger movies. I'm looking forward to that. And finally, Lewis, because we've run out of time slightly, um, Rishi Sunak is going to be put upon very much to bring us back to reality, to bring us sacks of money uh, without taxing us too much. How's that going to go? It won't. Um, but, you know, sacrifices will be made. And if I've got to take, you know, less fabric in the leg of my suit, you will too. <laughs> very well said. Thank you very much indeed, Chancellor. Lewis McLeod there, uh, slightly per- curtailed on account of the technology and the problems of uh, communicating with someone who's up in Richard Branson's spacecraft. But thank you very much indeed. We'll talk to you soon. We'll try to get you back on uh, once you've figured out what the hell's going on up there. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back uh, to the Independent Republic of uh, Mike Graham. I have to get used to saying talk radio TV because it is a, it's a big thing, this. It's a huge thing. And it's going to get even bigger and even more huge. Uh, fantastic to hear uh, that Angela Levin is here, however, to talk to us about what's been going on uh, in the world of royalty. Because we've not spoken for a while, Angela. Welcome back. Thank you very much. I've missed it. I know. I know. Well, we know we were going to do it a bit earlier in the week. And I suddenly thought to myself, well, there's nothing really in and of itself important enough but what there is is a collection of things that we could have a slightly longer chat about over the course of, of uh, where we are now and I, and I guess we should start we should start I suppose with Harry and Meghan um, as we like to do um, getting an award for having two children quite remarkable Yes, it's not quite that. And you would definitely have failed for having four. <laughs> the whole point is about looking after the uh, the air and what we breathe and all that. And um, two um, has been decided by population matters is very important to stop there. Uh, one is even better, I expect. And it's all about um, conservation. Now, they've made an announcement today, or it's been in some of the papers, that... They are the pair are amazing world uh, influencers, which I think is um, terrible because you don't really want to influence people to be horrible to their fathers, whatever they've done. I wouldn't have thought so, no, or or indeed um, uh, to be sort of rather self-absorbed. Yes, and to say you know, do as I tell you, not as I do. Mm. But this particular um, survey that they did uh, claims that. three in 10 people between the ages of 18 to 24 have been influenced by Harry and Meghan that they won't have more than two children. However, just a little bit of digging, um, I found that actually this survey came out in 2017. So it's got absolutely nothing to do with Harry and Meghan. Mm. And if you think, if you want common sense, it's common sense for people between the ages of 18 and 24 who were part of the survey um, don't want children that age. It's a time when you're trying to find out who you are as an adult, 
what's important to you, getting a career, studying. Um, you don't want to be tied down to lots of children. Some people might, but it's not necessarily mm. a good idea. And it's not necessarily to save the world. Um, when it gets to an older age group, it, it drops further. And we all know that you don't necessarily have a maternal or paternal instinct until you know you really feel that you're settled and you know what's going on um and that's often nowadays much later 30s yeah. oh i think so yeah so i guess the queen's uh, um, out of luck in terms of getting an award for anything she's obviously had too many children um yeah. diana apparently did the right thing and had two um but it's all a bit kind of um grisly isn't it i mean it's not really anybody's business how many children you have i mean there are many people in all sorts of parts of the world that have a lot of children based on the fact that some of them might not survive as we used to do here in the victorian times yes i i think that's absolutely right um but the other thing that annoys me is that i don't see how you can give anyone an award for this until they are post uh, menstrual really yes, right um because people who don't want any children suddenly decide they do. People who have two, for all sorts of reasons, some tragic and some very positive, want to have another one mm. quite late in their lives. And, and to give a prize to them before that's been decided makes it a nonsense to me. Mm. I mean, my sense of, of this particular story is that the charity quite fancied the idea of getting some publicity for themselves. So they thought, I know, uh, if we give these two an award, it will be all over the world uh, and somebody will suddenly have heard of us. Because I'd certainly never heard of them until uh, this story came out. Yes, it's interesting that it's called Population Matters. I mm. mean, something matters is the sort of in thing, isn't it? Yes. But also we have to remember that there's a team of 12 people. Harry and Meghan said they're not doing anything for months because they're going to look after... Eternity the, leave. ...their little girl. Yes. But um, these 12 are obviously not allowed to sit back and have a break. They've got to come up with stories that will put them on the front pages mm. or at least the papers so i think it's a combination of that i i find it infuriating because you can't actually decide um how many children you have uh, depending on what your life is mm. and what happens to you and to win a prize for not having more than two i i think is very controlling actually i think so too and also again for sort of virtue signaling trying to make people feel bad because they've had three children i mean what sort of world is that you want to live in ludicrous you know absolutely incredible one of the things that i spotted and it might have actually been the week before this i don't know if you saw this but there's a, a water company in america called tyant usa uh, which has something called ionized water now i only heard of ionized water last week because i went into a petrol station to get a bottle of water off i'd filled up the car and the only water they had was this ionized water right and it's some kind of you know new thing but she basically is clearly um somehow promoting this company right because they put out a tweet that said this Meghan Markle is one of the most recognisable people on the planet especially after marrying Prince Harry hashtag Prince Harry in 2018 how does she manage to stay energised and hydrated and then there's a story with it a picture of her and it says find out why Meghan Markle loves it and it's all about ionised water I looked these people up they sell um, these machines that you can buy which will ionise your water and do you know what they start at no. Three and a half thousand quid. Oh my God. I was going to say a hundred. I'm pleased I didn't. Three and a half thousand is the cheapest wow. one they sell. Well, I mean, it, I think it's a real downturn for Megan to be publicising water. Um, uh, it shows really in a way that she'll do anything. I'm sure they've paid her. 
And um, I think that that's a real come down to their big um, Netflix money and their Spotify money and all that. Um, I mean, water's water as far as I'm concerned. You need it, but I don't know that you need all the stuff that goes... No. I mean, I don't think you need to pass an electric current through it to sort of energise yourself. I'm not quite sure what the point of that is, but, but it's clearly another one of these Californian fads. But I think if she's lending her name and her face to commercial operations, I mean, that's a bit tacky, isn't it? Well, it is tacky. And when they left, uh, the Queen is very firm that you don't use your royal status to make commercial gain. And when they left, they agreed to do that. But they've obviously um, uh, passed that and they do what they want. And they still want to have some sort of royal input and still sell water. Well, I don't think that the two are comparable. You've got to make a choice. Um, and I think the choice has to be forced on them yeah. because they're obviously not understanding or not willing, that's probably better, not willing to uh, cooperate despite all that they've had, you know, all the £31 million wedding mm. and um, engagements and patronages chosen that uh, Meghan would like and being a real world name. It's all take, take, take as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And I'm sorry to say this because I really um, loved Harry when I spent over a year with him a couple of, two years ago, um, but he's changed and it's all grabbing. Yeah. And you only can really see and make that comparison when, when you look at what else is being done by William and Kate. I mean, Kate, I thought, was magnificent at Wimbledon now that she's the new sort of patron of the tennis tournament. Um, and also the family going as a family with Prince George for the football and seeing the real um, enjoyment and despair both um, uh, in one game where poor little George at the end was inconsolable, where Prince William at the beginning when the first goal went in was like cheering and shouting like a proper football fan, you know. And you see that, and, and, and I mean, apart from the fact that it's quite nice to see, you just think, why is Harry not here? Yes. Well, I think Harry and Meghan want to give orders, tell people what to do. They think that they know that everything's got to be global and they want to make changes in the world. Um, Princess William and Catherine um, are, just do it. They just show what they're like and they can't... Um, act it out because children don't go along with all that and I think it was incredibly moving and shows that William doesn't want to keep the stiff upper lip that the Queen has done for so long he was happy to not just smile when Britain got a United Kingdom got a goal yeah. but he he showed his enthusiasm he was raving his hands he mm. was jumping down and then he hugged his little boy yeah and it it was so touching, wasn't it? And then um, George turned to his mother and she hugged him. And there was a happy family, delighted they had three children, not necessarily two. <laughs> You're no and, award for them, um, I'm afraid. And, and, were, and were more um, more like ordinary people. Yes, I mean, the family exactly. isn't ordinary, but their emotion, showing that emotion, we were all excited, even me and I mm. never watched. Well, I just was jumping up and down. No, it was. Um, and I think some, something normal. like that makes you wonder, when people say, well, what's the point of the monarchy? Well, that is, you know, because you have these very, very um, nice, uh, well-behaved, well-turned-out, decent people, um, you know, who we can look to from time to time, not for inspiration, not to be, you know, supplicant to them, but just to be quite proud of them. Well, they've got this an imbued sense of duty, 
to look after us all. And when there are difficulties like the pandemic, we saw with the Queen, we saw with Prince Charles and Camilla, we saw with William and Catherine mm. that they would do everything to thank the people who are having a really hard time, the frontliners, and to encourage us to stay strong and be brave and and it will all it'll get better, but mm. not in a patronising way. No. It always struck me as being very genuine and caring, um, whereas Harry and Meghan were promoting all sorts of highfalutin things a long way away. Exactly right. So what sort of a year do you think it's going to be for the royal family? Because, I mean, the poor old Queen has had to suffer quite a bit over the past sort of 18 months or so. Her husband of 72 years dies. You know, she's... Um, um, now alone um, as, a, as, a, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a great-grandmother. She can't be doing as much as she would normally do. Um, what's it going to be like? Well, I think she's amazing. I think she's really bounced back. I think that um, they both agreed, because they were very pragmatic, that you can grieve, but you mustn't grieve for so long. Yeah. You must move forward. That's something that perhaps Harry should learn as well over his mother. I'm not diminishing the effect, but you can't just hang on to it. No. And she's looked, she's dressed in bright colours, which is a statement. And she's been terrific. She was terrific at the world meeting when everybody was going round her and someone said to her, you've made a great impression. She said, good heavens, have I? She was absolutely <laughs> delighted. And then she went to Scotland for a few days where she loves Scotland, but she also got out of the way uh, when the statue of Diana was unveiled she then came back and met Angela Markle she's been out and about in very bright colors smiling laughing she's back doing what she's been doing since she was in her mid-20s mm. and that's what she wants to do she wants to serve this country she wants to talk to people she wants to be there you have to be seen to be believed she once said and here she is um, strappingly strong. I yes. mean, we've all felt my heart went out to her when she was at the memorial, and you thought she won't manage this. Mm. She will step down as soon as is feasible. Oh no, she's come back. She's a real fighter, very determined. Yes. And I think it's very interesting to see that Prince, George, Prince William went up to spend the day with her in Scotland, and then Princess Anne, who's always there to help out went up to spend the day with her. So she feels she is enwrapped with a loving family and they would do things. Whereas Harry Scarpadoff and didn't, mm. I believe very strongly, didn't have time to speak to her. No, and he did leave rather quickly after that uh, situation. And also similarly after the unveiling of the, um, uh, of the statue in Kensington yeah. Gardens, where I mean, the next day he was off, wasn't he? Yeah, 15 minutes later he was off mm. after it. Amazing. Over. And we have, I'm yeah. sure we've actually spoken about that. A lot of people's um, uh, questioning of the actual merit and, and, and the style of the statue. Um, but also there was a lot of, he, he appeared to be sort of attempting to play a bit of a joker, a bit of a jester type figure to his to his slightly more serious uh, older brother. What did you make of their in, in sort of encounter? Well, when I spent a long time with him, I noticed that when he's uncomfortable, he turns into a joker. Mm turned into a joker in his first year at Eton because he hated it. Right. And he becomes, he said, you know, one of the naughty boys. And I think this was an extension of the naughty boy. Mm. Um, I don't think, especially from someone like him who says it, it's broken him and it's changed his life and is so desperately sad still uh, about his mother, that he would make silly gestures and he would jump about and say, let's yank this off, mm. meaning... Uh, 
the cover would come off. Um, it seemed a, a huge exaggeration of, of feeling very nervous. Mm. Um, I thought the statue didn't look like Diana, but I thought um, it doesn't matter what I think because it's taken the two boys um, since um, 2017 to get agreement to get it up. Yeah. And I thought, well, at least it's up and it's there. And if that makes them happy, it's fine. It doesn't matter if I and lots of other people don't like it. It's what the two sons wanted. And that's um, good enough, mm. actually. Yes, I suppose so. Final <laughs> question, Angela. Prince Andrew has been a bit quiet lately. Uh, nobody's really written much about the whole Epstein situation and uh, the fact that Ghislaine Maxwell is, is still behind bars in America. Um, what's it going to be like for him? Um, I think he's probably got something to do that isn't anything to do with um, public behaviour. I think he goes and sees his mother a lot. She does love him very much. Mm. You know, mothers love sons, whatever they did. And, and I think he'll stay he'll stay quiet. Um, I, I think he'll get used to it. Can I just mention the Emmy Award? Sure. That um, Harry and Meghan have been uh, an, an opera have have won on the shortlist um, about the conversation. I don't like to say interview because it was just a conversation. Yes. Now um, I found out. First of all, they've got it for for non-fiction. Well, it should be for fiction because there were so many errors in there. Even the Archbishop of Canterbury had to crack, correct the fact that they said they got married three min three days before, but. The last date you could apply to get an Emmy was the 17th of February, yet the documentary or discussion didn't come out until the 7th of March. Mm. I would really like to know how they got in when the um, applications had closed. It seems very strange to me. Yes, I think that's a very good point to raise. And a bit like many of these types of awards that get given out, they're kind of determined before... Uh, the things are actually put into place. Nobody's seen it. How do you know it's right. good? How do you know it's and what worthy? And what do you bet me that they're also they'll win an Emmy for it as well? Well, probably. I don't know if there's money involved in that sort of thing. I've got no idea. But I do think that if you have a closing date, you can't then change it, can you? I mean, so you are giving um, something without ever having seen the mm. quality. Yes, exactly right. Fascinating stuff. Well, Angela, listen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, great to talk to you. We'll see you again soon, I'm sure. Almost certainly there will be more royal news coming out of Montecito, California. Harry, Harry, we're going to win an Emmy. Uh, it's not my first Emmy, is it? Is it my first Emmy? I don't know. Is it her first Emmy? I'm not sure if she's ever won one before. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. It's 12.47, it's Friday, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. This is sort of, I would suggest, a bit of a lacklustre... Um, <laughs> look to the whole uh, 
some celebratory mode next door. What have you been saying to them? Well, guys, come on, it's Friday. Come on, guys. You know, know. (laughs) it's Izzy Rowland, uh, Yorkshire's (laughs) finest, uh, about to present the Periables. Welcome. Well, well, welcome. Thank you. Hopefully, I think we've got a slightly longer time today. So we didn't have long much time last week, did we? No, we We didn't. We sort of rushed through it. So I thought I'd give you a chance this time. Oh, thank you. I hope it's not too long. Well, no, no, but I will be speedy. So that's good. All right, good. uh, Welcome to the Perry Awards. This is where we look back on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moment. Splendid. So today, uh, following tradition, the first Perry Award goes to you, Mr Graham, for for the one-liner of the week. It is a thing of great beauty. And uh, to be honest, I mean, you know, not everybody looks as good on it as I do, uh, but it's just one of those things. (laughs) What can I say? I forgot about that. Yes. By the way, it says here that you've got a new title. Oh, have I? I've got written on my screen, Canal Boat Owner. Oh, right. (laughs) Yes, uh, yes. Is there anything so, you wish to tell us? Uh, well, I mean, anyone who's listening, uh, I've bought a canal boat. There you go. <laughs> is it in the canal? Or? Uh, yes, it will be. Um, and I will be moving on to it in a month. Very nice. So, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I, the thing is, I'm having a pirate-themed boat party, Mike. Oh, yeah? So I, I, I did invite you, and yeah? you were like, oh, I don't know. Well, I, you know, that. I don't travel very well. For parties, I mean, it depends where it is. You know. Well, we're, we're aiming for Hackney Marshes, Hackney. but um, mm. yes. <laughs> if anyone walks past, give me a wave by yeah. all means. Okay, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yes, well, but thank you for the invite. Yes, Very thank kind. you. Um, yes, it is, it is limited though, limited invite only. Yeah, you so can't get loads of people go. on it, it'll sink. Right? No. <laughs> That's eh? the worry. You, that I, I mean, how many people can you have on a canal boat? Well, I mean, I've spoken to people before mm. and they've had like six or seven people stay on it, and right. my boat. It's a bit bigger, so um, hopefully, I mean, we can top and tail. Not we much can... of a party. No, <laughs> less than ten. No, that's for sleeping over, though. Oh, I see. Sorry, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Know, you haven't invited me to stay over. No, have you? no, God's no. God's sake! I'm talking about people standing on a part on oh, a boat yeah. having a party. I mean, oh, how no. many? I mean, I'd say twenty-five. Really? At least, and then we can have people on the on the bank as well. You okay, know. all right. So yeah. a gangplank. <laughs> yes. Is there? Well, I'm I'm going to say if people get too drunk or whatever, I'll be like, what the plank, you know? Just walk, just push them off. Yeah, all right, very good. Anyway, so, uh, yes, so thank you for my new title. There you go. Uh, so Talk Radio TV has launched um, Into Action this week, mm. uh, where, you, uh, where you can ogle um, Ian or eyeball uh, Dolan, or words to that effect. Um, you, Mike, had something to say about this. I certainly did. Uh, this is the Perry Award for the Complaint of the Week. Can I just make a formal complaint, by the way, to the management uh, here at Talk Radio TV? What is this grimace with Graham thing all about? I mean, why why would you use that? I mean, there's plenty of other words that begin with G. Huh? Grimace. It's not very nice, is it? Charming. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? Grimace. Who yeah. came up with that? Get, do as your best grimace. Grimace. Is a sort of, I don't really grimace. So, uh, uh, I don't really do that. No. It's not no. something I do. Mm. Does Ziggy. Ziggy, not really. No, he kind of he doesn't he doesn't growl very. He's quite a quiet dog. Okay. Barks a bit. Unless he's being left out in the kitchen. If he's yeah, if he's outside, he'll yeah. bark. If he wants to come back in, but mm. but you know, he's generally speaking, he doesn't really growl. Oh no. You know. M- m- would would you want someone to change it to growl at Graham or growl well, no, with Graham? No, I think Graham, it should or... be a bit more positive, really. Um. You know. Grace Graham, or I don't know. <laughs> We'll have a meeting later about it. Yeah. Get on with the Perry Awards. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Ian Collins makes a cut this week for the interruption of the week. Will masks and passports keep us safer? Get out of here. (laughs) That's a good reaction. I like that. Sorry. I should have said that was a visual It was a visual one. Um, And we all love an impression of the week. Uh, Are who they are. I know. (laughs) Harry. Harry. 
<laughs> we haven't had so much of that lately, but we did a little bit today as well. Yes, we did do a little yeah. bit today where you got another impression. Thank you very much. LaDonna so, Harvey. I, LaDonna. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, during the Thursday Club, this is another visual perrier. You were telling a story about uh, tequila and banana sandwiches. Mm. Uh, this is a visual perrier for the facial expression of the week. His face started twitching. Oh, and it was no. Like, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's quite frightening looking, actually. It, that, isn't it? is, yes, it was quite frightening. having some kind of a fit. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. No. Yeah. Well, your hair just kind of all came out of place. Did it at the end? Yes. I didn't yes. notice that. No, you look, definitely looked a bit more. A bit less quaffed. Yeah, a little right. bit like mine now. Mm. Uh, so here is the one-liner of the week. The most boring man in politics, and he's about as effective as an ashtray on a motorcycle. I think that's a new one, uh, but I quite like it. <laughs> Very true. Keir Starmer, of course. Keir Starmer, of course. Astro on a motorcycle. Right. Very true. And is that because it just blow in the wind? Or Well, what do you think? What would you think would happen if you had an Astro on a motorcycle? It would, be fo- it would fall off. Yeah, well, it, but... would, it might fall off, but it would also be no use to put the ash in, wouldn't it? Oh, right. Because the ash would just go <laughs> behind you. <laughs> there you me? go. See, can't get it right. Do they not have motorcycles in Sheffield? Uh, well, actually, I've, I mean... Or be- ashtrays. Believe it or not, I do have a Vespa, so... Have you? Uh, yeah. Fine, <laughs> so it's all me. happening with you, isn't it? Canal boat, Vespa, what next? I'll be renting them out. You, you get one of those know. electric scooters next, <laughs> Oh, gosh, no. You you and petitions will have a bit to say mm. about that. But uh, anyway, so another visual perrier. Ian Collins gets another perrier for the introduction of the week is the editor of the textbook Cybercrime Law and Practices uh, Law and Practice <laughs> Editor of the te- I tell you what Joseph you tell me what you're editor of well, Now you're going to get me to show off Ian I am go I'm, on. The edi- I'm the editor of the current edition of yeah. Cybercrime Yes so leave it to the guest He's not really showing off there is he I well, mean I wouldn't describe that as showing off what's he the editor of well, the editor of some... I think it's Cybercrime magazine, right. but I think he's just... I don't think I'd even admit to that, never mind show off by well, telling t- telling somebody about it. No, but is he showing off because he can say it and Ian Collins can't? No, he's showing off because oh. he thinks it's a good job. Oh, right. When in fact, okay. it's quite boring. Oh. That's what I mean. Oh, uh, OK. Sorry. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, OK, Carry so... On. Um, uh, you were last named this week on the phone. Yes, Aldo, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Graham. How are you? I'm very well indeed, sir. That was Zilly, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it well, was. Well, he used to, you know why he's doing that? Because his restaurants used to be called after his last name. Ah, so it was okay. Zilly Fish. It used to be a great restaurant in Old Compton. Well, not Old Compton, somewhere in South, I can't remember. Okay. Um, but it was nice, but it was his last name he used, not his first name. Oh, right. So ah, maybe fair that's enough. why he did it. Well, this brings us on to our next one. So I think there must be a theme, obviously, with people having last names as first names and vice yes. versa, like you and James Max, for instance. Yeah. Uh, so James was last name too. Oh. It's a bit of inconvenience, and I've got to stick that thing up my nose. I don't know if you've had to do those tests. I have, Max, and obviously in Cornwall I had to drive. <laughs> you can call me, Mike, well. you can call me James. Yes. James, yeah. sorry, James Max, Mr. Max, you call you Max. Unbelievable. <laughs> he got quite worked up, I listened to that. It did, yes, well, yeah. there you go. Uh, so, and here is the wrong namer of the week. We're also joined by Andrew Bridgen and Matt Ridley. Matt Ridley. Matt Ridley. You mean Matt Vickers. I do mean Matt Vickers, yes. yeah. Matt Ridley's somebody else, isn't he? Yes. He's sir. the guy that talks about um, climate change quite a bit, isn't he? Ooh, maybe. I think yes. So. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, well. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. You it know. does. I People think have got... got those kind of interchangeable names. Yes, that's true. That's when I when I struggle. Yes. No, absolutely. It's, you know, I think I've a... done it before. I think you might have. And finally, uh, mm. this is the confusion of the week. 
Hugh is in Porthcawl. Hello, Paul. Uh, sorry, hello, Hugh, I should say. <laughs> hi, hi, Mike. Confused myself there. And then he got him as well. Because he really didn't know what to say. Well, Porthcawl and Paul kind of sound right, Paul, don't they? Paul in Porthcawl, yeah. Hugh in... Hugh in... Yeah. Absolutely. Huddersfield. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all for the Perry Awards. There will be more next week. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.